I passed out a couple papers to you, and I see that uh, when I copied one page to the next to copy it double, that it actually kept the numbers going, so some of them will have different numbers on than others, but that don't really matter. Um, and what I did on that little paper is I just put together this uh, acronym with a little description on it, and you can fold that and stick it in your Bible if you want, and use it and if, if you want. So I just wanted to make it small enough you could have it with you. Also, I passed out another paper, a bigger paper that has several options of, uh, I don't want to call them options, several examples of outlines for the book of Thessalonians. We don't plan to look at that today, but I just wanted it with you so you can be looking at that because the Lord willing, tomorrow we'll begin doing some outlining and to familiarize yourself with outlining, look at those. There's a lot of detail in those outlines that aren't there, and I left a lot of that out on purpose so that we would learn to stretch, and we want to develop our own outline and see where that takes us in our study and our, our devotion to the Lord. So that's a little... Uh, on the, the papers that I did pass out. And did any of you notice anything on yesterday's talk that was missing? Students. <laughs> did you? What did you see missing? The end. Okay. You're right, I missed the end, and uh, that's the story of my life. If my wife would have seen that prior, she would have noticed it, but uh, she didn't, and so uh, we've got it on there today. So if you uh, kept your papers from yesterday and you want to fix that, just go down there to and stick an N in, and uh, I did put a couple scriptures in with it. I'd have to go somewhere else to get them right now, but uh, but N is note applications, and and what that uh, I I thought about notice or note, and I decided note would be better because we don't want to just note notice them; we want to note them of the applications, and and saying that I'm committed to make an application to this of this word that I'm reading. So uh, it's on here, and uh, we're planning to today move forward in, in book studies of part three, as we gave four parts, overall parts yesterday, that you have on yesterday's paperwork. We want to move into the third part today, which is to, to do the study of First Thessalonians. So as we do this work more into the study of First Thessalonians, one thing, if you remember, down here in the, the proving part of it, it says it up there at the top, in observation... One of the points under observation was that it would, that it would be a blessing to us to, to understand the geography and all of that as we look and we observe what all is going on. So I decided that we would just start there. If, if we would start reading in 1 Thessalonians 1, which all of you I'm sure tried to at least find time to to look at that. First Thessalonians one. It just simply says, 
Paul and Savannah and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the letter was written to the church of the Thessalonians. Hard one to say. And, and we want to develop a little of the backdrop and, and what we're looking at as we look at this church at Thessalonica. So first thing I did is I brought a, a map up here for us to be able to see a little about where Thessalonica is and where, as we look farther and see where Paul might have been when he wrote it, we're going to learn some of those things today as part of the journey. And the Bible tells us, if we would look in the last part of, of Philippians, or uh, Acts, the 16th chapter, it tells us there that where Paul was at and uh, some of the circumstances that was going on as he uh, moved on over into uh, Macedonia, over here. So here is Macedonia over here. Here is Thessalonica. And there was a call to the Apostle Paul, the Macedonian call, when he was over here at Troas on his second missionary journey that started here, uh, over here in Syria or uh, Israel, in this area over here, it started and he began to go. Now his first missionary journey started here at Antioch and he went around and spent a little time in here and came back. And, but this time here, as he's visiting the churches, says in the last part of the 15th chapter, they decided to go visit the churches that they had been to, some of these churches over in, in Asia, and they went a little farther, clear on over here into Troas. And as they were here, the, the, one of these things that Lowell talked about this morning in this vision came to the apostle, and he heard somebody saying, Come to Macedonia. Come to Macedonia. The Macedonian call. And that's when they decided to go on into Macedonia. We're going to read about that in just a little bit. I want you to see the picture here. So they went over here. This map has them going to Neapolis, Philippi, these two towns, and then on into to Thessalonica, which is right here. So this is the town that Paul is writing to over here in Macedonia. Thessalonica by name. And there's several things about that we're going to look at and see about that city. Because remember yesterday we talked a little about the importance of even understanding the culture of what's going on there. And then we're going to see today too that Paul it's pretty evident, wrote this letter when he was down here uh, at Athens, which is down here, right here, I believe. And as he's down here at Athens, after he left Thessalonica and Berea, he went down here to Athens, which was the next place he went, and he wrote a letter back to Thessalonica. And this is the letter that we have in front of us. We may come back to this to this map a couple more times. Just get your perspective if you can. Over here is Jerusalem, clear over here. The Mediterranean Sea, the Aegean Sea up in here. And uh, uh, Thessalonica is a seaport city right up there in the top, in that little bay up there. There's a name for it. I can't remember it right now. So anyway, this is Paul's second missionary journey and he went over here, and now uh, we're going to see him as this story unfolds in Athens as he is writing back to the church of Thessalonica. Any questions on that? Pete. Rome is going to be on over here, way on over here. Greece is over here. 
Asia Minor. Turkey? Turkey, yeah. Well, no, it's, uh, it's 300 miles from here to here. It's about 40 or 50 miles from Thessalonica to Berea. I had to tell my computer to do it in miles because it came up in kilometers. Okay, any other questions? Good questions, thank you. Geography, I think, is a very, very important part of the study, is understanding how these things come together, knowing what's going on in these different areas. Over here you have uh, Acts of 15 and 16, you know, in Acts 15 when they went up to Jerusalem from Antioch. There's travels here to Jerusalem conference before this journey began. They went back and forth here. And uh, so I believe it started here, went all the way around his second journey, came back to here and then back up to Antioch where they started from. Okay. Here's another picture of it, a little bit closer, uh, showing Thessalonica right here on that little, in that little bay. Shows uh, Athens down here. If you notice, this map here showed a, the trip Paul took from Thessalonica to be by boat down here and then on down to Athens. And this one down here shows that he went by way of land. So... Uh, the Bible didn't tell us how he went, so we don't know for sure, but that's what you find. You find people thinking that he went different ways, but uh, this kind of shows the, a little closer up of where he was at there. <clears throat> now, one thing we want to do in our study is we talked about the importance of looking at other scriptures both in way of support of truth, but also in what other scriptures shed light to us on this subject, on, on Thessalonica. So let's go to the book of Acts when Paul went to Thessalonica. And we're going to read there a little bit and look at this about what happened when Paul was there, because this is very relevant in what he's writing back to them. So again, as we make a book study like this of the, the epistles of Paul and others, and they're written to a church, we want to know as much about that church as we can. He has a couple churches he wrote to that he never even went to. But this one he went to, and he wrote back to it fairly quick. And that didn't happen always either. So we're going to look at Acts 17, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read this story, and then what we're going to do is when we get this story written, we're going to, to together, put down a few bullet points of important things that happened when Paul was at Thessalonica. So we're at Acts 17. Starting in verse 1, we'll just start here with, uh, in fact, we're only reading, what is it, 17 verses, 15 verses? All, yeah, that'd be fine. Yep, that's the plan. Yeah, two, uh, all three of you comfortable reading? Each of you read five verses then. That'll make it go a little quicker. So go ahead and start. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, 
opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews which believed not, lived with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they hailed them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they were, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. Also, honorable, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea. They came also thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And when they had, that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and received a commandment of, to Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Okay. So that's the story of Paul going to Thessalonica. As you notice, that they went through a couple of them other towns, and Amphilus and Pipolus and Apollino, Apollina, and then they came to Thessalonica, it says there. So several things happened while they were at Thessalonica. There isn't much written here, but it was somewhat of a, uh, a climatic experience as Paul was there. What I want to do is I want you students to, as you read this part of the story, tell me some key things that happened here that, that, that might be important as we continue our study here uh, with the town or the people of Thessalonica. So I'm going to come down here to the bottom, and I'm going to begin, and I'm going to type in several points that you tell me is important concerning these people here at Thessalonica. Paul taught, taught in the synagogue. Paul taught in the synagogue, okay. What's that? Three Sabbath days. What did it say about them, not a few? Believers. So they got converts. Is that what you mean? All right, what else? Even though he was in the synagogue, there were many Greeks. Many Greeks there. Good. things stirred up. Specifically, um, 
Reputation preceded them. Let's just put down a list of things. Uh, um, that's fine. We can later. What else we got? Joe? So they really, they, they was trying to find Paul and Silas. They were the target, right? It did work. Oh. Oh. by night. That's so far off. Yes, Okay, what was that? Lots of men converts in, in Berea. Hmm? And men and women. Um, I, I think I missed a couple here. But we're getting a, a list of things that, that happened here. Um, we do see that, that they chased them all the way down there to the Bereans. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if that's an important point or not. Uh, so we got a few things there, and that's, that's good. Uh, we can always... Uh, as we're all thinking about this individually, we can put a few more. But what I wanted us to do is just be sure we look down through this 
and, and not just read it, but just but think about what we're reading. And this is the way you think about what you're reading is to make bullet points. Just put down things underneath. I think a very uh, the significant point we, we read, you hear this often about uh, the, the noble people down at Berea and what those people did. They received the word, scriptures daily, they, they, they searched them. They received the word with all readiness of mind and skirt, searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. That was a real sense of, of, of noble. I don't know what uh, the Greek definition of noble means, but we know what it means in the English, that, that, that they were just uh, of, of higher caliper in the things of God. That's what we were finding here. So that's good. We got a list of things here, and we could no doubt get a few more. But uh, unless somebody has something else you want to offer as you look through this, um, it's easy for us to read a scripture like this and say, okay, they were there three weeks. Right? But it doesn't say they were there three weeks. It says he went into the Sabbath three Sabbaths, or the synagogue for three Sabbaths. In fact, uh, history reveals that they probably would have been there more like three months. For some reason. I don't know. There's other references in scripture that we're not going to look into. Of, of, of things in different places and all that, that reference to the fact that no doubt it would have been more than just three weeks. But he did go to the synagogue for three Sabbaths during that time. But I'm assuming that as they begin to have these converts and believers. The synagogue probably wasn't the best place to meet for, for the worship they wanted to do. So what we don't want to do with scripture is we don't want to read something like this and put down at the bottom that they was there three weeks because it doesn't say that. And that's, that's what we can do if we're not careful in our, our looking at scripture. Okay? So now we've got a little list. Everybody ready to move on? Now... In our light of, of looking at scriptures, there are other scriptures that talk about them. There, and that talks about uh, Thessalonica or Macedonia, and uh, it's pretty evident that Paul went there on his third missionary journey, perhaps even twice, on the way to Corinth and returning, as Acts nineteen twenty one says that after these. Things were ended. Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And that would have been uh, uh, circumstances that was going on over here in Ephesus. Ephesus is, uh, was over here on this side on his third journey. Ephesus was, is right here. And uh, so this is only the second journey, but if you had to one of the third journey, it would show coming here, and they, they was minded to go up through there. Third journey would show them coming back through there again as well, because there's also references to people that they picked up at, at, at Thessalonica on their way back through. And then uh, in Acts 20, 1 through 3, after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them, and departed for to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone over these parts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece, and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, and he was about to sail to Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. That's that, the verse. I didn't know I'd put it there about him returning through Macedonia. There's other references in Paul's other letters. Romans refers to, Ma to Thessalonica, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and I thought I better put this up here about old Demas. We even hear something about Demas at the end of Demas. I think this is the last we heard of Demas. Is that right? Anybody know of any more we hear about Demas? Yes, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone. 
But uh, I thought it was interesting, though. Demas forsook the Lord, and he went to Thessalonica. Uh, I don't know what all that means, but I just think it was interesting. And I never thought of that until... Pete? Oh, it would have been a long time. This, this would have been the last letter Paul wrote, right? Second Timothy? So, uh, but we don't know when it happened on the journey. I don't recall in the book of Acts of, of the narration of the story or anything when Demas forsook him. Anybody else? The conflict. And, yeah. Okay. So there's uh, just some other, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you can uh, go to your concordance and, and look up Macedonia or look up Thessalonica and, and you can find more uh, accounts of, of what's going on there. Okay. Historical documents. There's some historical documents that tell us some things about Thessalonica. And uh, um, I think we'll just kind of read through these so we all get the, get the picture. Let's grab this mic again and maybe we'll take it over here to the girls and let them each w- read one of these because uh, uh, I think it's important if we're going to get the picture for us to I kind of edited through some of this. We're not going to read the scriptures because most of them talk from Acts 17. But, but they give a little perspective that's, that I think is important for us to see. So just read uh, the first paragraph there, Michelle, and let's just keep reading down through it. We want to learn some things about the culture and what's going on in this city. Can you read it okay? The city of Thessalonica flourished for hundreds of years, partly because of its ideal location. It was situated on the banks of a hospitable harbor in the Roman Gulf, near the northwest corner of the Aegean Sea. In the Apostle Paul's day, it was the chief seaport of the Roman province of Macedonia. Thessalonica ranked with Corinth and Ephesus the main ports of the provinces of Achaia and Asia, as a great shipping center. It was one of the most important centers of population in Paul's day, occupying a strategic location both governmentally and militarily. Estimates of the population of Thessalonica in New Testament times Place it at near 200,000. Most of the inhabitants were native Greeks, but many Romans also lived there. Orientals and Jews likewise populated the city. However, commerce flourished in the ancient world. One would find Jewish businessmen. The Jewish synagogue in Thessalonica was influential. Many Greek philosophies were present. Preach there. First Thessalonians reflects the moral climate of the city. The pagan Jewish Greek religion of the largest segment of the population produced many forms of immorality, but whetted the appetites of some for spiritual reality. Evidently, the higher standards of Judaism attracted disillusioned Greeks, Romans, and Orientals to the synagogue. Thessalonica was built by Cassandra in 315 BC near the site of an ancient city called Therma, named for the hot springs in the area. 
He chose this place for its excellent location and named it after his wife, Thessalonica, who was a half-sister of Alexander the Great. Cassandra was a Greek general under Alexander. In World War I, the Allies faced soldiers in Thessalonica, and during the Second World War, the Nazis extracted 60,000 Jews from the city and executed them. Thessalonica still exists today, with a population near 300,000. It is called Salonica. I think the, uh, as far as evangelizing the city, most of that comes out of Acts 17. It's pretty, uh, uh, it's important, but we're going to run out of time as, uh, I think, as we look through all of this. Let me look here just a second. No, let's keep going. I th it is important, I think, for us to get the picture. Evangelizing of the city. Let's keep reading. The Apostle first preached the Gospel in Thessalonica during his second missionary journey. Having revisited the churches in the province of Asia, where Paul and Barnabas had preached on their first journey, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and perhaps others made their way to Troas after unsuccessfully attempting to travel in other directions. In Troas, Paul received his vision of a man of Macedonia calling for help. Responding to this call, the party crossed into Europe and preached at Philippi, a major city of Macedonia. Through a series of circumstances, the missionaries were led to leave Philippi and press on about 100 miles westward along the Ignatian Way to the next major population city center, Thessalonica. As was his custom, Paul visited the Jewish synagogue Thessalonica, where he knew he would find people who held much in common with him, the respect of the Old Testament, theological concepts, and cultural practices. Since Paul was a well-trained teacher, he was allowed to speak in the synagogue. His message, as Luke summarized it, consisted of two points, the Old Testament taught suffering, dying, resurrected Messiah, and these predictions were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. Though Luke did not say so, Paul also may have taught that Jesus Christ would return to fulfill the remaining messianic prophecies. In the Thessalonian epistles, Paul sought to answer questions that had arisen from his teaching. As a result of Paul's preaching, several people were converted, including some Jews, several Gentile Greeks who had came to the synagogue because they had practiced, because they had placed faith in, or were interested in more information about the Jews' God and the wives of some prominent Thessalonian citizens. The length of Paul's stay is significant because of the doctrinal background of his readers, which the Thessalonian epistles reveal. Of course, knowledge of what went on in the Thessalonian church after Paul left, as well as while he was there, is sketchy at best. But it seems that Paul fed these new believers as a a rich diet of doctrinal instruction in a fairly brief period of time. Also, Paul wrote as though he left Thessalonica before he really wanted to. Perhaps a stay of a few months in Thessalonica is fairly accurate. I think we got a, uh, another comparison here about uh, being fed with a rich diet of doctrinal instruction in a fairly brief period of time. We've got that this morning. We'll probably get more of it this afternoon. But that was custom in the, in the, in the church. That's, that's, this, is, this is normal business. Yeah. Quite possibly, Paul continued his teaching and evangelizing out of Jason's house after the Jews opposed him. His adversaries regarded Paul's message as a threat to Judaism as Jews have done since the gospel was first preached in Jerusalem. The non-Christian Jews in Thessalonica resorted to a strategy to get rid of Paul that was similar to that employed by Jesus' enemies and Stephen's accusers. They hired troublemakers and put false accusations in their mouth. Storming Jason's house but failing to find the missionaries, the mob dragged Jason before the politics? <laughs> <laughs> the Jews charged Jason with harboring revolutionaries who were, promoted, who were promoting treason by teaching the people to disobey Roman law and to follow a king other than Caesar. 
Though this was a serious charge, especially in a city whose free status could be withdrawn by Rome if it was true, the city rulers saw through the motives of these jealous Jewish, Jewish zealots. Uh, the city rulers saw through the motives of these jealous, jealous Jewish zealots. <laughs> <laughs> the rulers only required Jason to guarantee that Paul and his friends would not disturb the city's peace any longer. This made it necessary for the missionaries to leave Thessalonica. The Christians who remained continued to feel the heat of the Jewish persecution. However, not only from the Jews themselves, but also from the Gentiles, whom the unbelieving Jews influenced. Okay. Is that a word? Uh, my thing didn't know it, but it was, it was a word. I, I, I think it's spelled right. Okay, Politarchs. Okay, so are we learning something about Thessalonica? This making sense. Uh, this valuable This is found in a, in a commentary, just the beginning of a commentary, telling about the city. It's not theologically right and theologically wrong because it's not theological. It's just facts. It's history. It's uh, it's just. Uh, so that's pretty safe to do, and it's interesting to read different ones uh, because some of them will say things a little bit different that might fit us better. Okay, let's look at the occasion of the letter. When Paul and Silas left Thessalonica, they proceeded about 40 miles west along the Ignition Way to Berea. There they ministered for a short time to the hostile Thessalonian Jews, hearing Paul's preaching in Berea tracked down missionaries and incited the Berean Jews to expel Paul from their city. Paul made his way to south, his way south to Athens, while Silas and Timothy remained in Berea. Paul sent a message to these two companions as soon as he reached Athens, asking them to join him, which they did. The plight of the New, Te- New Thessalonian converts so concerned Paul that he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on the church's welfare. Timothy rejoined Paul at the next stop, Corinth, with encouraging news. This led Paul to write for his Thessalonians. Some students of this epistle believe that Paul wrote not only to commend the Thessalonian believers for their steadfastness and persecution, but also to answer questions he sent to him to Timothy. Though there is no external evidence for the existence of the document containing these questions, it is obvious from the text that Paul wrote answers to some of the questions. These questions may have been relayed orally by Timothy. Another reason for Paul's writing was to correct the misinformation and false accusations that circulated after Paul left Thessalonica. Paul also wrote to exhort them to go forward in the faith. Okay, we're learning more things. Specifically, the Holy Spirit led Paul to pin this inspired pastor in order to be several weeks. He encouraged his children and they persevered despite their persecution. He repeated false charges made by the local enemies of the gospel that the missionaries had preached in order to fatten their wallets and gain other personal benefits. That Paul had left Thessalonica hurriedly and had not returned because he was a coward and a hypocrite. Paul also wrote to correct some errors that had cropped up in the church. An inclination to moral laxity and laziness, and a tendency not to respect the church's spiritual leaders. Paul gave instruction to the subject of what would happen to Christians who have died for the Lord's return. Now, there's an interesting part there. I think it's, it's very interesting because Paul, as you you will have noticed, that uh, he wrote quite a bit about uh, in vindicating uh, their authority to be there. And all of that. And just stop and think about that a minute. All of a sudden, they were there, and they were there for however long, and all of a sudden they were gone. And maybe brought suspicion. So in that letter back, he needed to write something to help them understand, because there's no doubt believers saying, well, who was these people? Uh, so, good point. Okay, place and date of writing. Evidently, the letter was written shortly after Paul arrived in Corinth. The references to Gallio's proconsulate in Corinth and ancient secular inscriptions 
make it possible to date Paul's stay in Corinth fairly accurately in the early 50s. Conservative scholars date first Thessalonians between 80, 50, and 54. This made this would make the epistle one of Paul's earliest inspired writings. Could be his first, but probably his second after Galatians. And I will admit, I edited this last sentence here a little bit uh, because uh, some writers say that First Thessalonians was the first letter he wrote, and some say that it was the second one after Galatians. Doesn't really matter. But uh, this also said that he wrote this from Corinth. Other places say. Other places, uh, uh, writers say that he wrote it from Athens, which isn't very far from Corinth. If we go back there and look, um, he went to on to Corinth. Here's Athens, and here's Corinth down here. So. Uh, so what we've done today is we have got a lot of the background of this book. It's very, very helpful to get the background of this book for us to uh, have direction of going forward. Uh, now, if, do I'm going to ask you, and be, be, be truthful here, it's okay, but do you know more about... Thessalonica than you did before. Well, will it make any difference on how you read that book now? Certainly, it will. And you could have said no, and I'd have been fine. I may not have agreed with you, but... Uh, <laughs> but um, that's why it's important to do this when we do a book study. Because we're wanting to learn, and we're wanting to get the picture, and it's a big picture. It, it's not just little intricate things. Uh, I enjoy doing book studies. I enjoy, enjoy doing expository preaching and going through step by step. Uh, at home, we've been going through the book of Acts, and it's been one of the most phenomenal studies in, in my life because you, when you study like that, you study in a complete different way, and you see things from a complete, complete different perspective. And it, it, I believe, brings the potential of a more balanced presentation as, as we do study that way. So that is pretty well what I wanted to cover today. I did give you, uh, we're going to move tomorrow, Lord willing. We're going to uh, move on into some outlining. And, and my thought is, we're going to spend a day or two doing some outlining, and you're going to be amazed at what you learn in this book as you outline. And then we're going to, uh, my thought is, we'll spend some time the next couple sessions on outlining and, and getting this picture together in all of our minds. And then on Friday, my plan is to preach a sermon on the book of Thessalonians that you have made the outline for, or we have. And let's go, let, we're going to see if this message means more to us than if I had just stood up here and preached five sermons. See what I mean? We're learning together. Another thing I may do is I may, uh, if it works out, I may make you a little uh, bookmarker with these uh, uh, Points on one side, these uh, proven all things, and then on the other side, maybe put our outline for Thessalonians, if I can get all that done before this is over, so, so that you can, you can keep doing these book studies. But, but make your own uh, uh, acronym, too. That's, that's great. So just a little overview. I'm done at quarter till, right? Yeah. Just a little overview on the papers that I gave you. I wrote down and have... Outline ideas. And uh, this, uh, there's four outlines on this, front and back. And you're going to see that uh, some outliners or some outlines here just simply have these few points like we see on the first page. And uh, the second page goes a little bit farther in that there's another step down 
in, in dividing. And uh, we're going to find as we go through this that we're going to go down another step or two in, in putting things underneath these headings because it's, it's very advantageous as we walk through this to get the picture. For example, as you look at this, um, um, let's find one here. Uh, one I was thinking about. Well, just like uh, in the third one, uh, 2B, reminders for the South Thessalonians, reminders. So for us to get anything out of that, we can't just put down reminders for the Thessalonians for 16 verses. We have to say, what are the reminders? And then furthermore, we need to be thinking, is what's that telling me? What is God reminding me in, in, in this whole big picture? So I hope that you'll have some time to look at these and to, uh, to think about them, write your own. Uh, but uh, we will see and do see some similarities in some of these. Here's one outline where they just went by the chapter. Uh, so uh, you'll see some similarities in these and we're going to see some, some breaking points that uh, is pretty consistent no matter who looks at the book. And I think it's going to be an enjoyable time as we walk through this thing together and we learn together. We learn how to, to study together and we do study together and come up with something that, that we trust will be a blessing to us in, in the big picture.